If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, it is page 932 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Uh, it's page 1610 in my Bible. Uh, if you have a different version, you can go open the middle of your Bible, hang a right, and then it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the big letters, big numbers are the chapter, so chapter 19 and verse 1. We're going through a series on vital signs of a healthy church. What makes a healthy church? Today, we've looked at several different things. We've talked about uh, the gospel and understanding God's word or uh, valuing God's word, valuing discipleship. And today, we want to talk about one of the things that's part of our element of being a church, of being faithful in sharing the gospel. So today we're going to read a familiar story and learn how Christ uh, was faithful in sharing the good news, and so must we. So Luke chapter 19 and verse 1 is what we're reading today, so read along with me. He entered Jericho, and passing through, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but was unable because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree uh, to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw began to complain, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. If I have extorted, extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Let us pray. God, I pray this morning, as we have come to your word, we expect to meet with you. We expect to be changed. We expect to sit under our king and be told and instructed and changed. And God, we come this morning in the same way to hear your word and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. James Merritt of Cross Point Church in, in Georgia told a story this week that I thought was really interesting. Uh, maybe you've maybe seen him on TV as a great expositor of God's Word, very faithful in sharing the gospel. Uh, he told of a recent trip in the last few years that he got to go to play at St. Andrew's Golf Course in Scotland. For those of you who golf, uh, that's in the birthplace of golf and one of the most famous historical golf courses in the world. He got to play there, and as he played there, he uh, heard, uh, he, he got signed up, he got out there at the tee time, and there you cannot, uh, this is such a, you know, a good, nice place, you don't get golf carts there. You have to walk the whole thing. And so the caddy was there to meet him at his tea time. He introduced himself and uh, his name was Gary. And he said Gary was about 58 years old and uh, had been caddying there for 38 years. And uh, he said, Gary, he said, uh, today, I'm glad you're going to caddy for me today. Throughout the day, I'm going to tell you the 
bad news, the worst news, some good news, and the best news. And so he had prepared Gary for his day together with him. And so they got to play, and after a few holes, uh, Gary said, uh, Dr. Merritt, you had said that you had something to tell me. And, you know, when you say, so you've got some bad news, people want to know. So he said, well, what's the bad news? He said, well, Gary, the bad news is, is that we have all sinned and we're separated from God. God's a holy God. And because of sin, because I've lied, maybe you've seen some people cheat out here on the golf course. Uh, that is sin, and that's what the Bible calls it. And because of that, we're separated from God. And so they went on uh, a couple of rounds, uh, holes, excuse me, and he said, uh, well, Dr. Merritt, you said there was worse news than that. He said, Gary, here's the worst news. There's nothing that you and I can do about it. We're dead in our sin. When we die one day, there is nothing that can change our fate. There's nothing we can do to change our statue. You know, a lot of people teach a lot of different things. Some people uh, say that you can just be good and that you can change your stature. Well, the only thing about that is now you're just a good sinner. Some people say, well, just go to church, and that changes things. He said, well, that just makes you a religious sinner. He said, some people say, just get baptized, and that will change your stature. He said, well, that just makes you a wet sinner. He said, there is nothing that we can do to change who we are because of our sin. Well, it only took one more hole for Gary to ask him, well, what's the good news? And he said, Gary, Jesus came to earth and paid for the sins of the world. And Jesus came and paid for your and my sins. And God raised him from the grave. And that's how we know that he paid the debt. It's because Jesus is alive and sits at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that through him, someone can come to faith. And a few holes later, Gary said, Dr. Merritt, what is the best news? And he says, Gary, the best news is this, that it's a free gift. All you have to do is take it. All you have to do is repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And right there on St. Andrew's golf course, Gary came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he celebrated. He said, every time now, Dr. Garrett, I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. That would be bad. He said, every time I come to this point right here, I'm going to remember this is the time that Jesus changed me. And after the round, Dr. Merritt wanted to talk more to him, and he said, you've been doing this for 38 years. Who are some of the people that, have, that you have caddied for? And he told him a lot of famous people, a lot of people that you and I would probably know. And then there were some other people, some pastors that we would know. And he said, Gary, you've been doing this for 38 years. Is this the first time you've ever heard this? He said, Brother James, this is the first time anyone has ever shared the good news of Jesus with me. 
I think about that. Someone who was 58 years old, who had numerous of people, numerous of Christians that could have stopped and taken time to share the good news with him, and no one did. Now, I wonder how many Garys there are out there around us. As statistics tell us that here in Boone County, 27% of the residents claim to be evangelical Christians. Only 27%. As a matter of fact, changing starkly from many other statistics is 50% claim no religious affiliation. That's a high number if you know statistics. So the question I thought to myself, well, what would happen if we were to change just this county by 1%, 1%? How could we get just one more percentage point to claim that Jesus Christ has saved me? Is he, I know he raised me, raised from the dead, and he would forgive me of my sins. That would mean that over 1,278 people need to come to faith in Jesus Christ in a year. 1,278 people. Now, we could say, boy, we, that's a large task. And it is. And you think about all the churches that are evangelical churches. That it, we could divide it up and, and get the work done. That is true. The, the, the point is this, though. It can't be one person's job to reach people for the gospel. It is a matter of all of us being faithful to sharing the gospel. It's not a matter of addition. It's a matter of multiplication. We all need to be sharing the gospel every time we get a chance and teach others to share the gospel. If we're ever going to make a dent in our world, in our county, in our culture, we have to be faithful. The Bible shows us in many places that the mark of a healthy church is that its members are faithful in sharing the gospel. Not the staff, not just missionaries, but all believers in Jesus Christ. You see, it's the reborn who needs to reach the unborn. And we need to be faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus. Today, I just want us to look at a very familiar story, if you've grown up in church, or maybe today is the first time you've heard it, about Zacchaeus, a wee little man who came to Christ because Jesus was always faithfully sharing the good news. So the question for us today is why must we as individuals and collectively being held accountable as a church, why must we be faithful in sharing the gospel and evangelism? Number one, a sovereign God has placed you in the path of the lost. Uh, verse 1 through 5, he entered Jericho, was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to, Jesus, to see Jesus. And since he was about to pass that way, 
When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Zacchaeus did something that was unusual for the time. He was, uh, wanted to know about Jesus, and he heard that Jesus was coming to town, and so he did two things that would be not proper for a man of his stature. One, he ran, and two, he climbed up a tree. Now, I'm always trying to get Franklin down out of trees, and it's maybe one thing for a child, but not someone of high stature, a rich man, as we were told, to do something like this. But he was curious. He wanted to know about Jesus. Today, maybe you're curious about Jesus. You're here today and want to know more about him. Well, the good news is you don't have to climb a tree. You don't have to do something of, this, of that nature to learn more about Jesus. But by prayer and by reading the Bible, you can know and learn about Jesus. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he, along this route, whatever Jesus was going to do, he was up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus there in Jericho. But here we see in the midst of the story that Jesus stopped and called out to Zacchaeus. Here we see on display the sovereignty and provision of God. Jesus was walking into the city. Jesus saw a man interested in him. Zacchaeus may have climbed up the tree, but what did Jesus do? Jesus called out to him. Jesus said, get down out of the tree, Zacchaeus. Jesus knew his name. Zacchaeus come down and Jesus didn't say hey I'd like to come up do you mind would you think could you could I possibly come over to you no Jesus said Zacchaeus get down here we're going to your house you see there was here in this moment the sovereign plan of God was Jesus on his way in was to run into this person who did not know him and draw him unto himself into a conversation and a relationship with him. J.C. Ryle said, if there ever was a soul sought and saved without having done anything to deserve it, that soul was the soul of Zacchaeus. Unasked, our Lord stops and speaks to Zacchaeus. Unasked, he offers himself to be a guest in the house of a sinner. Unasked, he sends into the heart of a publican the renewing grace of the Spirit and puts him that very day among the children of God. Today, if you don't know Christ, it is no accident that you're here this morning. You've been drawn here by the invitation of a friend or by invitation of a family member or God brought you here from some other reason because he wants you to hear and meet Jesus. Today, I hope that you will hear him, hear him calling you, hearing that he loves you and knowing that he died for you. Today, it is not happenstance that you're here this morning. But church believers, we need to be in the, believe and know that the sovereign plan of God is that we are living among the world to represent him, to be his ambassador, and to share the gospel with every opportunity we have. It is not by happenstance that you live on the street that you live. 
It is not by happenstance that you work at the place that you work. It is not by happenstance that you walk into a restaurant that a a server or someone is suffering and wanting to hear about Jesus. And in that moment, you are God's representative to speak to their hearts. Friends, we need to be reminded that the sovereign hand of God is working all things to His glory. And we need to be reminded this morning that we need to be aware that God has put our steps in the path of people that need him. So are you paying attention to your conversations? Are you paying attention to the people that are around you? Are you sharing the gospel when there is an opportunity? The great George Whitfield said that I cannot go 15 minutes in a conversation without bringing up Jesus. Is that you? We share Christ because we know that God is bringing people to salvation. And we share Christ because we don't know who those are. We are called to share and share and share and share. Today, will you be at your post and be faithful in sharing the gospel? Secondly, King Jesus displays hospitality to the lost. King Jesus displays hospitality. Hospitality is something we think was just opening our home to guests, but hospitality is more than that. Hospitality is uh, making ourselves available and loving those who are strangers to us. Here in Jesus said, he comes to this place, Zacchaeus, come down, we're going to your house. And verse 6, so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. Zacchaeus was an example of a lost person in the first century. Zacchaeus may have been short in stature, but most importantly, he was short in godliness. It was said here that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Now, he, I mean, it, it is plain here in, the, in verse 2, it, it says he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. That really, to us, is really a benefit to us, but in the first century, everyone would have known that. Because uh, in the Roman uh, Empire, the, the magistrates and the leaders would say, out of this area, so much taxes needed to be collected. And to do that, there were tax collectors to go around and do that. Well, uh, just as we might feel that our tax system is unfair, in those days it was based upon what that individual tax collector wanted to collect. And so they would say, well, I'm going to need to collect this much money. Rome needs, we need this. Well, I'm going to do this plus some to get a little bit for myself for collecting of the taxes. Now, what's important here of Zacchaeus was uh, he was the king of the tax cartel. He was the chief tax collector. Uh, He had people not just he wasn't just collecting money. He was, had people collecting money for him, and he, they were skimming money off, and he was skimming off all of them. And so he was very wealthy. And in that day, people knew those tax collectors were cheaters and liars and were, wouldn't have anything to do with them. But here we see Jesus was hospitable to the greatest of sinners in that day. We can read stories about Jesus being around prostitutes. We can read stories about Jesus being around 
tax collectors. Jesus was hospitable to the lost. The question for us is, do we see this and understand that we must be hospitable to those who are around us if they look different from us, if they're deep sinners in our mind, because those people need Jesus. Friends, we all need Jesus. And there was a place of time that I really needed Jesus. And thankful to God that he came and made himself known to my heart. Friends, we need to be hospitable to guests. Here Jesus entered Zacchaeus' world to bring salvation to his heart and home. And one of the things that we must be aware of in our own minds, in our own hearts, and in our own church, that we must be available not to just people who look like us, act like us, and and do moral things like us, but people who all of us need Jesus. Friends, we can't expect people who are not whole to be holy when they come to church. So when we have guests or visitors who come amongst us, we must, with grace and knowing that people need Jesus, expect, desire, and give grace to those who are among us. If we want them to know Jesus, His people need to show love to them. For example, if someone, if a Muslim came in here today, how many would be uneasy? How many would move their seat? How many would go and welcome them because they have a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Friends, Jesus was hospitable. Are we? Will you? Will you look for opportunities to have everyday conversations for the kingdom of God? How are you engaging lost people around you? Are you, are you inviting people who are in the in area of influence in your life? Maybe you should invite a coworker to eat lunch with you, build a relationship, and talk Christ. Take time to walk with a neighbor. Take a friend to a Reds game. Lift weights together and talk about Jesus. Whatever you are doing, no matter where they are in their life, spend time sowing the seeds of the gospel in their life. Are you taking advantage of opportunities to be hospitable for the sake of the gospel? Number three, Zacchaeus repents and believes, which is the goal or really the hope of evangelism. In verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him. Here we see that because Jesus was aware, Jesus made himself available Jesus presented himself as the Savior of the world. Zacchaeus repented and believed and was born again. Now when we see this word here that he was lost, 
uh, later on in verse 10, that term means lost. Uh, it actually means literally in the Greek, one who is lost and continues to be lost. It is the same word that is used in the term of the, the, the story of the prodigal son, the son that uh, calls out to his father and says, Father, I want my inheritance so I can live how I want to live. And the father says twice that once he comes back to the father and is restored to the father, he, he celebrates and says, my son who was lost now is found. Friend Zacchaeus is an example of those who are lost around us in the world. As I shared in my story at the beginning, our sin separates us from God. The lost nature that we have is because we can't see the truth about God. We are lost because we are sinners and we sin against a holy God. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 says, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Friends, we are living among people who are blinded to Christ. And Zacchaeus was blinded to Christ. So how does someone in such a state change? Well, we see the example in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is both the lost and Zacchaeus is the one found. Zacchaeus repents and believes. That is the call, the hope of salvation. Mark 1.15, Jesus said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Zacchaeus repents. How do we know? We say it. We see it here. Zacchaeus does what is doubly needed according to the law to repent or pay back what has been stolen. He admits, I know that I have extorted people. I know that I have, I have paid uh, stolen taxes. So not only am I going to extort them, pay them back four times, which is the law, he says, I'm going to give half of my wealth away. This is a display of God changing Zacchaeus. Friends, repentance is just an about face. No longer agreeing with my sin. No longer agreeing with the world, but turning to follow Christ for the rest of your life. But friends, you must have belief in Jesus. We see this throughout the story. That God was working. God was moving. And Zacchaeus said, as a result, Jesus... I want to follow you. I want to please you. Money is not my treasure anymore. You are. Friends, we need to call people that we know to believe in Jesus Christ. We need to believe in him, the one who died and was buried and rose again. We need to believe that it is him and only him that is our hope for salvation because the Bible says that he is the way he is the truth he is the life and friends in our conversations we must be calling our friends and family members to repent and believe you know the hardest things about evangelism is not memorizing a presentation it's most for most people getting to the presentation and then sealing the deal or closing the deal right 
Because it's hard for us to tell someone, hey, here's Jesus. Are you going to take him? But friends, this is where their life hangs in the balance. It is not knowledge of Jesus that, that saves them, but it's a being born again that saves. It's what Jesus says in, in John chapter 3, verse uh, John chapter 3, that you must be born again. Friends, we must plead and pray and call people to be born again. Today, would you be committed to calling people, being faithful, being obedient? to getting to the point of presenting Jesus and asking them to trust Him. Friends, today evangelism is all of our responsibilities, and it's all of our responsibilities to obey. Because number four, Jesus' mission is our mission. Here's the money verse. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Friends, there is no other way to parse this verse to see Jesus' ministry and his purpose. It is not to make poor people rich. It is not to make sick people healthy. It is not to do these things. It is to get people who are lost and blinded by the sin of the world to be saved and to become a child of God. Jesus came as a mission. When it says he came, is significant because it is complete of the mission of Jesus from heaven to earth. In Matthew's birth narrative, we see that the angel said that she will give birth to a son and he will be in the name of, Je- the name of Jesus because he will save people from their sins. This was all part of God's plan. The triune God was all part of salvation of mankind. Jesus clothed his goodness and holiness into humanity and took a mission to pay the penalty of sins and take the wrath of God for our sins so that there might be the way of salvation for all. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Friends, this is an illustration. Zacchaeus' story is an illustration of the mission of Jesus. This is what he came to do. And he fulfilled it by being obedient to the point of death on a cross. And if this is Jesus' mission, and we said we're, we're his followers, that we're his disciples, then it is our mission too. It is our mission, our goal, our purpose to find the lost and introduce them to Jesus. R.C. Sproul says that the top priority enterprise for the Christian church is a preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ because people cannot believe or even hear about Jesus until Jesus is preached. Friends, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has the church. The church has the mission to follow Jesus. So the church must be committed. Individuals must be committed for us 
to share the gospel because if you do not, people don't hear the gospel, they can't be saved. Romans 10, 14 through 15, how then can they call on him who have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet who bring the good news. So friends, who is supposed to bring the good news? Newsflash, you are. You are. Where you are, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, not pastors, not missionaries, they have that as part of what they do because we're all faithful to do this. We are all part of the mission of God. How do we know this? Because Jesus told us four different times. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Not just there, but in Mark 16, 15 through 16. Then he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But not just there. Luke chapter 20. 24, he said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his names to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and look, I am sending you what the father promised for as you stay in the city until you are empowered on high and then he didn't finish there acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power from the holy spirit just has come on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria to the ends of the earth get it jesus did not give us the option we must be obedient And if we are silent, we are sinful. Friends, your family, friends, community is hanging in the balance and you are being sent to save them or to present them Jesus and God does the saving. You see, we make evangelism so scary Because we think that it's our job to to save people, that every person that we present the gospel to gets saved, that every it's up to us. If we mess up a presentation, then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna die and go to hell. That something is gonna happen. But friends, it's our job to obey. It's our job to be faithful. It's our job to share. And God does the saving. Even the greatest evangelist will say, I I share the gospel 10 plus times, maybe more, before someone accepts Christ. But friends, what does that say to us? We've got to share the gospel a lot. We've got to share the gospel a lot. So let me challenge you today, life groups, what are you doing to be faithful to share the gospel. My life group is going to do a Halloween thing at the end of our driveway, and we're going to, we're going to love our community, and we're going, to, we're going to hand out things to people who walk by and parents. We're going to love on them, and we're going to invite them to church, and we're going to do things because we want people to know and hear about the gospel. 
But I'm going to give you a very simple, we, we, we call everything at the end of our service, an invitation of a response, right? We all need to respond to God's word. I'm going to give you a very simple way to respond today. At the very front of the church, there are packets of five invitations for Back to Church Sunday. At the end of our invitation, at the, or not the end, at the, when we call for the invitation of response, I'm just asking you to come up, grab a stack, think about those five names, or maybe you don't know their name. Maybe you say, you say I, I know it's that waitress at Frisch's that I see every Thursday morning, and I, I know she knows my order before I walk in, and she knows who I am. I don't know her name. I can't remember her name, but I know her face. I want you to just take those five invitations. I want you to pray over those names. Just stand here. You don't have to kneel. You don't have to do just take it. Just take those, pray, and then go back to your seat. And then take those invitations to someone for back to church Sunday. Today, we need to think about how we are faithfully sharing the gospel. Now, I want you to know that, that hopefully this will open up conversations for later down the road. This might not mean they might not come to church to back to church Sunday. But you have alerted in their life that you're someone who cares about them, who cares about their future, and that if they have spiritual questions, you're the one that you, they can come talk to and that you're going to be praying for them. So you might say something like this. You might say, hey, next week, my pastor, and this is what we are doing this, by the way, my pastor is preaching on hope during unexpected times. I don't know about you, but it has been crazy in the news with all these hurricanes, what happened in Las Vegas, um, all, the, all the stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, I, sometimes I get scared and, and, and then tempted to lose hope. But my pastor is preaching a message on hope during unexpected times, how that we can have hope even when the world is crazy like this. I would love for you to come and be my guest with me for that message. And then just invite them. And see what happens. And they might say no. They might say maybe another time. You follow up with them that other time, right? You're going to invite them again. But what you're doing is inviting them to come hear the gospel. And I want you to be clear. This is not sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is actually sharing about Jesus. But this is an easy way for you to build a relationship going forward with that person. Today, I hope that you'll join us, join Hebrew Baptist Church in being faithful to share the good news. You know, during Hurricane Harvey, the U.S. Coast Guard has rescued over 11,000 people and over 1,300 pets. They're saving everybody they can. Do you know what their motto is? Always ready so others may live. Can we say that about us as Christians? You know, the two most difficult questions that a Christian can be asked is when is the last time you led a person to Jesus Christ? But maybe more in convicting, when is the last time you tried? Are you always ready so that others may live? That is the goal. That is the purpose. That is the mission of Jesus. Will you join him? Let us pray. God, I pray this morning as we have been shown through your word and been reminded 
by your word. That you have sent Christ to die on the cross for us as a free gift that we can be saved. And this message is the message of salvation. God, I pray that we who have been reborn, those of us who have been saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are faithful to share the message that has saved us. God, I pray that if there is someone here that maybe today was an invitation of someone else, that they, as we heard the gospel, that you would draw them and save them this morning. Today, I pray they are born again. In Jesus' name, amen.